Hi, good morning, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to the pre-stream podcast. How is everyone? I hope you're all doing well, and I hope you're ready, because today is a big new release day, the first of many coming up in the next month or so. I am Darkside Phil. Today is Thursday, the 17th of February, 2022, and allow me to welcome you to this very epic and special edition of the pre-stream podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today is King of Fighters 15 day. That means today is the release of the King of Fighters 15 for every single console possible. Not really. Uh, basically, it's on Xbox Series S and X. It's on PlayStation 4. It's on PlayStation 4 Pro. It's on PlayStation 5. And it's on PC. Okay? No Xbox One version. And because of that, that is why I opted to get the PlayStation 5 version. And you might say, what's the difference between all these different versions of the game? Um, PlayStation 5 version, although it does actually have more input lag than the Xbox version, because I had a choice between Xbox Series X or PS5, um, it's going to have way more players. Why? Because it's actually cross-platform with everyone playing on PS4. So the player base in general is going to be much larger. <clears throat> And I know from experience, when you are drawing upon a much larger player base, you have a chance to get better connections and more frequent matchups when you're playing a game online. Let's be honest, although fighting games do have an offline component, the majority of fun you're going to get, and of course the longevity that you're going to get out of a fighting game, is based on your online experience against other people all across the globe. So, I figured better get the version that has the most people playing it. Now, hopefully... Over time, perhaps they'll patch the game and reduce the input lag or make all the versions equal. Right now, the actual best version is PC, which has almost no input lag. I, I saw the stats this morning. I was like, whoa, that's like way low for a fighting game. Uh, but I have no capability to play this on PC, uh, maybe in the future. Uh, and also, another thing is if things go well with my coverage of the King of Fighters 15 and you guys like the game, and I like the game, and it becomes something that's an ongoing series that I do maybe a couple times a week, um, there's potential that I could always buy the Xbox Series X version as well. I actually have a joystick, a Hori joystick, for both PlayStation and Xbox. I can play with, you know, great controls on both. So, you know, it's it, it was a hard decision, quite frankly, to determine which version I wanted to get. Um... And I was mulling it about the last few days, but finally I came to the conclusion I want to play the version that's going to have the most people playing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, there you go. That's why I got the PS5 version. So, the King of Fighters 15. Wow. I got a lot to say about this one. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, a large amount of this pre-stream podcast, the majority of it, is going to be about the history of the King of Fighters franchise. I'm going to tell you all about how it came about. Uh, what was unique about it when it actually premiered in the 1990s, my history as a lifelong fan of fighting games, playing the King of Fighters in arcades, and then what happened to the series over the years, even leading up to the last version that I actually played for YouTube and on streams. And basically, it's going to be all about King of Fighters here on the pre-stream. By the way, all of my gameplay streaming today is also about the King of Fighters 15. So, if fighting games are not your cup of tea, okay... <clears throat> If you don't care about the King of Fighters 15 or its history or any of this, and you don't care about this game, I hear you. Not everyone is into fighting games. What I would say is, why don't you give it a shot today? Just for the heck of it. Why not stick around for a little bit and give it a look? If you like it, great. Stick around. Welcome. Because I'm going to be doing a lot of this game soon, in the next week or so. 
Um, if you don't like the game, that's okay. You don't have to be here for it. Tomorrow, I'll be playing Horizon Forbidden West all day long. I'll be balancing Horizon with King of Fighters over the next week. It's not just going to be constant King of Fighters stuff. I'm going to alternate. That's why I like being a variety streamer. Even though I'm going to put a significant amount of time into a new fighting game franchise, it doesn't mean that it's all I'm doing and you won't be bored if you don't like fighting games. Okay? <clears throat> so, let's get started. First of all, let's talk about the schedule. So you guys know exactly what is going on over the course of the next week. Today, the King of Fighters 15, all day long. We're going to be starting off here on the pre-stream podcast, giving the history of the series and all kinds of information about it. Then when we get to gameplay, it's going to be checking out all the offline content. Of course, if there's a tutorial, trials mode to try to teach you the basics of the game and stuff like that. Personally, I understand the basics of King of Fighters. What I don't know are what are the new systems in place for this iteration. Usually, every time that there's a new game, they add something new, they tweak something, they change something. And I actually did play both betas of this game. <clears throat> But I did not do any research before I played them, so I did not understand the actual combo system. Apparently, there's, like, canceling between moves and stuff in the combos, and I didn't really understand how to do it. I was just starting to maybe get a handle for it and kind of understand it, but then the beta ran out. <laughs> so there was no real time to figure it out, okay? So obviously, I need to do some offline gameplay first, messing around with certain characters, maybe taking them into to, to the uh, training mode and seeing what their basic strategies are, the properties of their moves are. And I would like to play through the arcade mode a few times to try to see the stories of various teams. You know, this game is a team-based game. And basically, when you have a team of three certain characters, you get a story ending if you beat the game with them. Uh, I wonder who the final boss is. Usually, the final boss is an unplayable character. So, I'm excited to see what they have in store for us. Now, that's not going to be the whole first stream. What I'd like to do is get through the tutorial stuff. Learn the basics of the game, maybe pick one or two teams, learn some stuff with them, and then go online and do some online play too. I kind of want to do a little of everything in my initial three-hour stream of this game today, okay? Then, if you're wondering what I'm doing with my mustache, apparently I have a hair here, and it's poking me in the nose. <laughs> I have a mustache hair that's like poking up into my nostril, and ah, it's bothering me. I might have to go into the bathroom and trim it, because it wasn't like that yesterday, and all of a sudden I'm talking on the preacher, I'm like, ah, ah. One of the one of the, the the drawbacks of having a mustache. Anyway, um, that's the entire first stream, three hours of King of Fighters fun. Then my late stream tonight at six forty-five p.m. Pacific time is more King of Fighters. There's going to be a whole day of King of Fighters today. Okay, I really want to immerse myself into the game. All right, and uh, and have a lot of fun. Okay, so it's good stuff. I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. And uh, should be a good time. All right? It should be. Now, that's today. Tomorrow, we're kind of doing the same thing, but we're doing it with Horizon. Tomorrow, all day long, is Horizon Forbidden West on stream. Okay? Pretty cool. I'm excited for this. I hope you guys are excited, too. Great game. By all reports, all the early reviews say it's outstanding. And uh, I cannot wait for some fun stuff tomorrow. When it comes to Horizon, to see what they've done with this game, how it performs on PS5, which apparently is gorgeous, should be a great start, okay? And that'll be both streams tomorrow as well, okay? Uh, Saturday, more King of Fighters on the mainstream, and that's going to be paired with a late-night stream of uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, okay? And then on Sunday, it'll be more for Horizon Forbidden West. That'll be paired with a, a fun, chill, late-night stream of Skyrim Anniversary Edition to end my streaming week. Monday is my day off. 
Next week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, again, it'll be a balance between the two main games on the main streams. Of course, as we all know, this is all building up. Next Friday, Elden Ring, which is the big one everyone's been waiting for, including me. We're all super hyped for Elden Ring, right? We can't wait. But we'll talk more about that next week. There's no reason to get that far ahead of ourselves. Cool. A couple housekeeping things before we jump into my main segment, which is going to be talking about the history of King of Fighters, okay? Um, first of all, <clears throat> we have hit the record number high of members we've ever had on this channel, 373. That's the most we've ever had. Now, I'll be covering nonstop new releases for weeks. Every single day here, there's new release coverage, whether it's King of Fighters, Horizon, Elden Ring. As we head into March, there's many more new, new releases coming out. We won't Again, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. But now... This is the time, all right? If you have been waiting to become a channel member, now would be a great time to do so. You're going to get many, many benefits out of being a channel member if you join right now, including things such as a highlighted name in stream chat, also a highlighted name in video comments, a cool chat crown badge to show how long you've been a supporter, again, both in stream chat and video comments. You don't have to abide by the slow mode rules of the, the stream chat at all. You can talk as much as you want. You get access to all of my emotes, Again, both in stream chat and video comments. In addition to that, there are further benefits. For example, my bi-monthly show, Ask the King, where I answer your questions. If you are a member, you get priority access to get your questions answered, and that show will be coming up in early March. So, make sense to join now and get your questions answered on that show live, right? In addition to that, when we do special monthly events, members get priority access. And I'll give you a perfect example here. If we hit the 400 total members that I'm looking to get in the next you know, week and a half, two weeks by the end of this month, we hit the goal. It's the return of the viewer's choice event. This is when you guys, the viewers, nominate and vote on games. The winner, I will do a full playthrough of here on stream. Okay, That's a tremendous amount of power because that's an ongoing playthrough that could last a long time. I mean, previous playthroughs have been games like Fallout New Vegas, the Persona series, the Yakuza series, Super Mario Sunshine, the Sonic series, Spyro the Dragon, Crash Bandicoot, just to name a few. Pretty awesome series. And if you're a member, members get priority access to nominate and vote. They're actually going to get a game into the final poll, just the members. While everyone else, thousands of people, will be competing to get their games nominated, only a few hundred will be able to get a game nominated and into that final poll right away. Okay, <clears throat> now, on top of all of that, I cannot promise you the following, but I can tell you I will make an honest effort. If the King of Fighters 15 actually has a working and good lobby system, meaning I can make a private lobby and personally invite certain people, maybe there's a password protection system, <clears throat> excuse me, or maybe you can personally just manually invite certain people, all right, then maybe we could do members-only events in the King of Fighters 15, where we can say, hey, it's a members-only night, where, you know, 10, 15 members get invited, and we can play each other in a lobby all night long, and stuff like that. The thing is, I can't promise that till I play the game. Every fighting game has a different lobby system. There's some where it's an open lobby, and people take turns playing. There's some where everyone has individual matchups. There's some where there's private stuff. There's some where there's password. Sometimes you can ban a player if they're a troll. Sometimes you can't. We have to see. I don't want to make over promises and then under deliver because I don't know the, sh the, the capabilities of the game yet. So it's a possibility. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. So all those benefits, please consider uh, becoming a channel member right now. It would make a lot of sense to do so. In fact, Jordan Stout just became a channel member. Thank you, Jordan. What I will do is by the end of the pre-stream podcast, I will check and see if we've had an increase in total members and hit a new record or not. 
should be cool. See, maybe we will. Maybe today we'll many times hit a new record. That would be awesome. Now, one more thing, <clears throat> a little housekeeping thing before we get to my little King of Fighters segment here. Starting today, okay, Jasper's going crazy in the hallway right now. That's my cat. Um, starting today, engagement on DSP Gaming is going to be huge. Okay? Huge. And you might say, well, why? What are you talking about? For the last month to month and a half, I've been trying to make it a common practice that my regular viewers who enjoy my content, when they come to the channel, either like the, the streams that I'm doing live or like the on-demand videos that I'm putting out and leave comments on them. Now, why have I emphasized this in the last month and a half? It's pretty simple because, ladies and gentlemen, likes and comments equal engagement on YouTube. Engagement on YouTube is a statistic used to determine should your video and or stream be recommended on YouTube, okay? Today is the premiere of King of Fighters 15 on YouTube, right? Tons of people will be playing this game. Will tons of people be streaming it live on YouTube? Honestly, I don't think so. I think most people who do fighting game streaming probably do it over on Twitch. Maybe there's a few exceptions, but I get the feeling the majority of people playing this game will be doing it on Twitch. What does that mean? It means today is a tremendous opportunity for DSP Gaming to get noticed on YouTube. There will be people searching YouTube for coverage of this game. They will be, oh, I want to see it. King of Fighters 15. And if my live stream gets prominence in YouTube suggestions and search results, this channel today can grow. We could get people who have never been to this channel or maybe haven't been to this channel in a very long time coming by and because of engagement, finding DSP Gaming and maybe checking it out giving it a chance, giving it a look, subscribing to the channel because they want to talk in the stream chat, and this could actually amount to growth, okay? So, please, today, I will ask you ahead of time, which I really haven't done recently, but I will do this now on the pre-stream. If you like my content, <clears throat> all right, if you like my streams, my videos, if you enjoy the way that I cover games, which is very honest and matter-of-fact, I don't sugarcoat anything, I don't do any paid promotions, I have to kiss a game's butt, I give you my honest opinion on every game that I've ever played, right? <clears throat> and if you appreciate that kind of coverage and that honesty, then please give the stream a like today if you're enjoying it, give a video on demand a like today if you're watching it, and leave comments on the videos. This will help for engagement tremendously. Today is where it really is important that this happens, okay? I've been telling you guys, my goal is to get 100 likes on every stream. Today, seriously, if we could like double that, that would be outstanding. That would be tremendous because then people would be like, oh, wow, here's a stream. Someone's playing a new game. Hundreds of likes. Let's go check it out. And you could actually have a ton of new people show up. I, I you know, and this is the first of, of many days where this will be the case. This will be today ongoing throughout the next several weeks, especially with Horizon Elden Ring. It's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So please, uh, <clears throat> please consider giving engagement to the channel. Fair enough? All right. And I'm not really going to mention it again until we maybe start with gameplay. There's no reason for you to mention it again here on the pre-stream. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one final thing. All right. As you know, I'm a crowdfunded individual. I make my living via your contributions live on my streams. Do I make ad revenue on YouTube? Yes. Is it a significant amount of money? Eh, not really. It's more based on things such as your memberships, super chats, super stickers, and tips. That's where I make the majority of my living. So, if you like this content today, please support it, all right? Uh, a tip 
would help tremendously because tips, I get funds right away for those, and it'll help me to buy the oncoming games like Horizon. I got to buy tonight. Well, actually, I bought it last night and preloaded it, full disclosure, because I wanted to have it already pre-installed, and uh, my wife also wants to play it. Uh, so that I already bought, but I got to buy Elden Ring next week, and there's several more games coming out next month. Um, so tips would help a lot today, and of course, we have our usual tips rewards in effect, including Gunner glasses will go on at 50 bucks. All right, you get to choose a silly hat for me to wear at 100. And at 150, this is something different we're doing. We just started doing this the other day. If we raise $150 on today's stream, you guys will get to pick. Do you want to see me wear a vest, which used to be our old rewards, me wearing a silly vest? Or do you want to see me wear a football jersey? And here's the thing. I think the football jersey would be very appropriate today. Why? Because the football jerseys I have are ones that I made to go to fighting game tournaments. The reason I bought those three football jerseys in the early 2000s was so that it would say Dark Side Phil on the back and people would know who I am at the tournament. See? And I actually remember the first tournament I ever went to. It was in Philadelphia, University Pinball, wearing one of those jerseys. The first one I wore a jersey to, and people recognized me because I had it on. I'm like, oh, that's Dark Side Phil. I didn't even know that's what he looked like. Cool. Um, and it would be really cool to wear those while I'm playing a fighting game now. I'm at the same vet, the same jerseys I wore over 20 years ago, I can now wear while playing a new fighting game today. That would be pretty neat, okay? So if we do hit the full funding goal of $150 today, you could pick the color of jersey that I wear, all right? Awesome. All right, guys. Pretty awesome. Now, let us now get to the meat of the pre-stream podcast, which many of you are here for. Let's talk about the King of Fighters as a franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, I grew up in arcades in the 1990s. I actually started going to arcades playing silly beat-em-ups like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, and the Simpsons arcade game, and the Avengers arcade game, and I thought they were awesome. They were much better graphics and gameplay than stuff that you could get at home at the time. At the time, Super NES wasn't even out when those games had first premiered in arcades. And so I got hooked going to arcades every once in a while. It wasn't really like a regular thing, but maybe like once every other week or something, my, my parents would take me to an arcade at the local mall. Then an arcade actually opened up near me, and that kind of changed things because arcades were becoming kind of more prominent, and I started going there regularly again to just play the beat-em-ups maybe about once a week. Then Street Fighter released. Street Fighter 2, that is. And wow, that just changed the face of arcades. Arcades started becoming incredibly busy. Teenagers lining up to play each other in a competitive head-to-head -head game, which really had not been seen before. You know, everything before that had been kind of like blips and bloops or, okay, come, team up to beat up enemies, generic ones in a street. But it wasn't like, oh, it's one-on-one -on -one combat competitive action. It really was the first of its kind, okay? <clears throat> now, Street Fighter Two basically created an entire new genre, the competitive fighting game scene, okay? And of course... You had many different franchises that were created as a result. Many games added to the fighting game scene, while others kind of bit off of what other people had done, okay? In regards to SNK, which was the name of the company that makes the King of Fighters franchise, they had already been well-known in the arcade scene for making all kinds of different games. Top-down aerial shooters and side-scrolling shoot-em-ups and all kinds of stuff. They really didn't make anything that was like hand-to-hand -hand combat based. But when Street Fighter 2 took off, all of a sudden they said they wanted to jump on that bandwagon. And so they started developing their own series of fighting games. One of the very first ones was called uh, the, uh, Fatal Fury. Now, Fatal Fury was kind of interesting because unlike other fighting game franchises, the game had three different protagonists. Terry Bogard, 
his brother Andy Bogart, and Joe Higashi. All three characters played completely differently. Terry Bogard was kind of like a American street fighter with a you know a kind of trucker's cap and a, a, a bomber jacket, and he had these cool powers where he could throw power waves out of his hands. Now his brother Andy was more of a traditional style Japanese fighter using martial arts and kind of flying kicks and things that was very different from his brother Terry. And then Joe Higashi was supposed to be a Japanese kickboxer, but somehow he harnesses the powers of wind to do giant tornado uppercuts and crazy flying kicks across the screen. Now, Fatal Fury, actually the graphics at the time were very good. They were, in my opinion, better than Street Fighter 2. And that was kind of some of the actual advantage of the SNK hardware on the Neo Geo platform, is that the Neo Geo arcade machines were multi-purpose. You could play tons of different kinds of games on them, and the Neo Geo was a very powerful platform for gaming back then. It could actually do a lot of things that other arcade machines couldn't do. So the graphics had bigger explosions, better effects. The sound coming out of it also was outstanding compared to other arcade machines at the time. And I actually remember, in particular... There were certain games that made a lot of use of the, the better graphical capabilities. Another fighting game franchise that came out from SNK was called Art of Fighting. Art of Fighting was supposed to be kind of a riff on Street Fighter. It had characters who had geese on, you know, karate geese, much like Ryu and Ken wear geese. Uh, but the fighters were supposed to be more authentic than Street Fighter characters. Their, their combat was more actually like hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, karate combat. They had combos and things that were a lot more flashy than Street Fighter. And by the way, they kind of were similar. Like, I remember the, the main uh, character, Ryo, has a fireball, has a forward-moving special move kick, kind of like a hurricane kick. Like, he was supposed to be like a spoof on Ryu. Um, but the thing that this franchise did that was different is that there was a lot of blood. I remember in Art of Fighting, the original game, when you beat the people up, blood would kind of come out of them. Not that it was gory like, like Mortal Kombat, but it tried to make it look more brutal, like a hand-to-hand -hand kung fu movie with a lot of gore, okay? But also... When you would do various special moves and or combos, the camera would actually zoom in on the combat. Imagine you're watching Street Fighter. All of a sudden, the camera goes extreme close-up on the two fighters as the combo's going on. That's what would happen in the Art of Fighting franchise. And people actually thought it was, like, cool-looking compared to Street Fighter, okay? By the way, my white balance is once again going crazy. It's bothering me, so I'm just going to shut that off for now. <laughs> I swear, when the white balance goes on and off, on and off, it, just, it looks so silly. When I don't have natural light in here, it doesn't affect things. But, okay, I turned it off. All right. So, what ended up happening was SNK made a series of fighting game franchises. While Capcom was basically focused solely on Street Fighter, and while you had its rival Midway making Mortal Kombat, SNK made a series of different fighting games, including Fatal Fury, The Art of Fighting, and a few others like World Heroes and, and other things. I think... Uh, there was one more, too, called the Kazuna Encounter and Samurai Showdown as well. Samurai Showdown being an ultra-gory game where everyone had a big sword and or other weapon that when you hit your opponent, you could actually cut them open and cause big blood squirting and stuff. So, <clears throat> SNK was trying to do its own thing with fighting games, okay? This all culminated in 1994. Because in 1994 you had all these different fighting games that were now competing. I mean, not only did you have Street Fighter, but now Street Fighter had spin-offs and other and you know, other other franchises like Street Fighter Alpha and stuff going on. The Mortal Kombat series had multiple sequels and then they tried to make other games like Primal Rage and Killer Instinct. Like fighting games were exploding in popularity in the early 1990s. So what SNK decided to do was something really interesting. They said, "We're going to make a fighting game that combines 
all of our popular fighting game franchises into one. But also, we're going to include guest characters from our other series on the Neo Geo arcade stand-up machines that have nothing to do with fighting games and put them in as guest characters, okay? It actually was the first fighting game to ever have what's considered guest characters. And so, when the King of Fighters 94, the very first one, was released in 1994, <clears throat> introduced several new gameplay mechanics that at that point had never before been seen in a competitive fighting game scene. First of all, and the one that you notice immediately from the character select screen, it's a team-based game. It's three fighters against three fighters. The original game, you did not have the ability to mix and match your characters. You had to pick a set team. But in future installments, they changed it, so now you could mix and match your characters into any team you wanted. They were actually based on geographical regions. So, for example, there was a Team USA that was a boxer, a football player, and a basketball player. Can you be more cliche and generic, right? And then there was Team Italy, which featured Fatal Fury Team, which had nothing to do with Italy. So, it was a little bit of a stretch to get the geographical regions to line up. But it was really unique because you had certain characters. For example, the Ikari Warriors were in the game. Who were they? They were a top-down shooter franchise from the 1980s. Two guys that kind of looked like Rambo, running around with guns, shooting generic enemies, and apparently the, the plotline was supposed to be they were fighting the Nazis, but they didn't want to actually put the Nazis in the game, so it's kind of like a knockoff of the Nazis they're fighting. <clears throat> well, guess what? Their names are Ralph Jones and Clark Still, and they're actual combat characters in this game. You pick them, and they're fighting game characters. They don't have guns. But man, they look like they're guerrilla fighters in the in the jungle. The way that they dress, the way that they fight, brutal hand-to-hand -hand combat. While Clark is more of a grappler, Ralph has the ability to shoot napalm out of his hands. Figure that one out. Um. <clears throat> in addition, they tried to include other franchises as well. For example, there's a character called Athena Asamaya, who apparently is supposed to be a pop music star in in China. But she's from a previous game franchise that SNK made that was a platformer. I didn't even know this fucking existed until two days ago when someone told me on stream. They were like, did you know that Athena is actually a platformer character? No. And I looked it up. I was like, holy shit. So basically SNK really wanted to make like the end-all be-all of fighting games by combining all their different franchises into one big amalgamation. Okay. Now, some other things <clears throat> that were in, uh, introduced... The sidestepping system. Infamously, in fighting games at this time, one of the major complaints in competition was that if you have a character who has a good fireball and a good anti-air move, for example, Ryu or Ken, who could throw fireballs across the screen, but if you jump over the fireball, then they hit you with a dragon punch, right? Everyone said, well, there's no way to around that. It sucks, because take a look at entire fighters like Zangief for grapplers or slower-moving characters or even a character that doesn't have a fireball to fight it. They really don't stand a chance, and it's kind of unfair. So, they introduced the sidestepping system in the King of Fighters. At any time, you can press the two light buttons together, and your character will go like this, oh, take like a sidestep, and any projectile will pass right through their body. It almost was like the, in, the prerequisite of parries in Street Fighter 3, but it doesn't actually create an opening where you can kind of counterattack. It's just basically a dodge. Whoop. Now, sometimes you can counterattack. What if they're doing a giant super move that then leaves them open because they're recovering from it? Now you get a free hit, you see? But this was unprecedented. This had never been put into fighting game franchises before that you could just time a move to immediately dodge whatever the enemy was doing. Now, 
on the flip side of this, if you mistimed it and you did it early or the enemy didn't fall for your trick and didn't do the move that you wanted to dodge, now you're wide open for retaliation. <clears throat> that was kind of neat. In addition, the King of Fighters series also introduced charging of a super meter. Although other fighting games had had a premise of a super meter before, building up a certain amount of energy till it's full and now you can do a super powerful move because it's charged up, in this game you can manually charge your super meter by holding down a certain amount of buttons and fill it up at any time during the course of a fight. Now of course you're open when you're charging, but hey, what if you knock down your opponent, you got a few precious moments you could charge up your meter? That was a new mechanic. And in addition to that, another mechanic that was introduced this is all these new things were just from the king of fighters franchise if you can believe it all these things were first introduced by king of fighters 94 when you're extremely low on health meaning you only have like like between i think it's between five and ten percent of your health bar left at the very tail end of a game okay you can do infinite super moves you don't even need to have your meter full you're just basically it's called like desperation mode you can just do a super move whenever you want so that's pretty crazy. You get them down. You're beating the crap out of your opponent. You get them down to the last bit of health. And then all of a sudden, ooh, instant super move. Boom. And they just blow you out with a giant move that does tons of damage because you weren't being careful. So that's a lot of things to introduce to one franchise, right? And they basically, even though there were characters from other franchises in this, for example, the Fatal Fury team of Terry, Andy, and Joe from the Fatal Fury franchise were in it. But then also the characters from Art of Fighting were in this. You know, Ryo, Robert, and Takuma. So they're the Art of Fighting team, right? They, they were basically so many characters, it was hard to tell who the protagonist was. But there actually was a set protagonist. His name was Kyo Kusanagi, a newly introduced character. And he teamed up with a good variety of characters. An actual more effeminate character in Benamaru, who focuses on stretching uh, multi-hit kicks and, and kickboxing style techniques, but also has an electrified fist. And then a super burly manly man called Goro Daimon, who is actually like a hand-to-hand -hand fighter who'll toss the shit out of you. Like, he literally doesn't have fireballs or special effects. He just grabs you and slams the fuck out of you over and over. Okay? Ultimate grappler character, basically. So, the plot line was, there is a guy who's an eccentric billionaire. He summons all the best fighters of the world to compete in a world tournament to find out who is the best. The winners of that tournament then travel to his headquarters to face him in hand-to-hand -hand combat for the finals because he claims he's the best fighter in the world. Come to find out when you get there, the whole thing's an evil tra tra trip, uh, trick, excuse me. And much like M. Bison, he's basically trying to suck the energy out of the fighters and yada, yada, yada. It's like a silly, a silly cliche convoluted fighting game plot that really isn't anything too special, Okay. But the uniqueness of the King of Fighters came out of the fact that not only did you have this wide cast of colorful characters, some of which were from other franchises entirely, but it introduced a remarkable amount of new gameplay elements to the fighting game franchise that never existed before, okay? Now, the King of Fighters also had something very unique. What it did, it actually introduced plot arcs, much like anime. And I know that sounds weird, because it is. Usually fighting games are just, eh, who cares about the story? Let's just beat the shit out of each other. But actually, The King of Fighters is based on an interesting anime-esque plot arcs, okay? So for the first two games, The King of Fighters 94 and 95, you're focused on defeating the evil Rugal Bernstein, that eccentric billionaire that I told you about, who's running this King of Fighters World Tournament. By the end of the second game, a lot has happened. First of all, Kyo now has a antagonist 
that he's fighting against called Yuri Yagami, who eerily has similar fighting abilities to him, but his have a purple flame aspect to them that's called the Orochi power, but you don't really know what that is at this point. And he's also an enigmatic character. You don't know who he is and why he's entering the tournament. By the end of the King of Fighters 95, you're fighting Rugal Bernstein again, and now he's become a super-powered roided freak. He's like a, like a almost like a Terminator zombie-type guy, and come to find out, like he's been trying to engineer a way to suck the, the life force and energies out of everyone in the tournament. It's very convoluted. But anyway, that's the first arc, is the World Tournament arc. Then in King of Fighters 96, the gameplay elements changed. No longer was there a sidestepping mechanic. They introduced what was now called the role. And the role ended up sticking for the entire rest of the history of King of Fighters. Never again did they reintroduce the sidestep mechanic. So the role's a little different. The roll, yes, you still press two light attacks to do kind of a dodge, but instead of just sidestepping an attack like this, you roll forward. Or if you hold backward on your joystick, you can actually backstep or roll backward. Now, it has the same mechanics as the sidestep, meaning it can pass through an attack, but it's a little bit more mobile. At the very same time, it does have bad recovery, so if you roll at the wrong time, you could potentially be wide open for retaliation, okay? Um... Outside of that, most King of Fighters games kind of retained the same style of gameplay, although each iteration definitely added more complexity to the combos and hit strings. For example, I believe it was King of Fighters 97 that introduced the ability to cancel a move into another move. So for example, you could hit someone with a standing punch, but your character might have a special move where if you hold forward and press light punch, they do a back fist that hits twice. So you could do standing punch, cancel into the back fist that now hits an additional two times. Then you can combo that into a special move. And then some characters could cancel that into a super move for giant damage. So it got more complex the further on that it went. Okay. Now, the plot of King of Fighters 96 completely changed. No longer were you in a world tournament against Rugal Bernstein. There was an enigmatic character called Chizuru Kagura, who was a... I forget the, the, the actual name or term for the fighting practice, but it's more like, um, is it Tai Chi? It's supposed to be like movements that refocus someone's own energy against them rather than striking someone. And so she's supposed to be like a master of this fighting style. And for some odd reason, she holds a world tournament, which has a big culminating fight inside of a giant arena. Okay. And at the end of this game, you have a boss fight against her and you're like, why are you fighting against her? What her what are her, her intentions? Is she evil like Rugal was, or is she different? Well, come to find out after you defeat her. Oh, it's Aikido. That's her fi her fighting style. Aikido. Thank you. So once you defeat her, and she's tough, man. She's really hard to beat. You come to find out she's a good person. She's trying to find the most powerful warriors in the world because an evil prophecy is coming true. A evil god is apparently going to be resurrected and she needs to find the most powerful people on the planet to fight the evil god in hand-to-hand -hand combat rather than contacting the authorities to try to fight this god with conventionary weapons. I don't get it. But anyway, after you defeat Chizuru, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. You're in an arena, a sports arena. The entire arena erupts with tornadoes fans are blown away and murdered. I'm not kidding. This actually happens at the end of King of Fighters 96. And all of a sudden, a man who looks like a priest descends from the fucking heavens in a tornado and lands, and he says, I am Gaian. It's the harbinger of destruction. Orochi is coming, and I am here to be his messenger. Kind of like the Silver Surfer coming to Earth to announce the coming of Galactus, right? 
So what happens? You fight the motherfucker, okay? You fight the motherfucker, and uh, he kicks your ass because he has insane overpowered abilities with these tornadoes. But once you beat him, basically he says, well, you may have beaten me, but you didn't stop anything. Evil is coming. Tune in next year. Which is exactly what happened, because in King of Fighters 97, the plotline continued. And there was all new characters. There was actually a, a brand new team. I think they're called like the Newcomers team. And it was supposed to be like a band. It was like a kid who was supposed to be like a, 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 a drummer. And a girl named Shermie who was supposed to be like a mall rat, but also she was part of the band as like a singer. And then there was a guy named Yashiro who was a grappler hybrid character, but he was supposed to be like part of the band. So it's kind of funny because they, every every iteration, they add new characters, they remove characters, and it was kind of neat in that regard. You never knew who was going to be in the next game, if there would be new characters or returning characters from other SNK franchises. I really liked that about the, the series. But in King of Fighters 97, the cool twist at the end was that those teenagers were fucking cultists. Here they are dressed up. Well, I'm going to go to the mall and go shopping for shoes. But in, in reality, they're sacrificing goats to bring back the god Orochi. Great. So at the end of the game, you have to fight the true Orochi team, which is super hyper-powered versions of those teenagers. Come to find out Chris, the little kid who plays drums, is actually the god Orochi reincarnated. Great. So at the end of the game, there's an insane fight against a god who has teleportation powers and giant energy blasts. It very is very anime-esque. And what I actually noticed over the course of the King of Fighters games progressing in the 1990s is that they got consistently more and more anime-esque. They started off with more of a Street Fighter look to them, but every iteration after that gets a little bit more Japanese, gets a little bit more anime or manga looking to the point where now it's getting like, okay, now you can tell they're definitely trying to diversify themselves from other fighting game franchises with the way that the games play, look, and sound, okay? <clears throat> now, <laughs> this all came to a big culmination in 1998. For the fifth installment, wait. Yes, the fifth installment of King of Fighters, they decided to do something completely different. They called it the Dream Battle or Dream Match. What this meant was that this was not going to be a mainstream game in the plotline of King of Fighters. This was just a kind of throwaway scenario where they were going to add characters from the entirety of the franchise together. Characters from the original games, from the last few games, all coming together in a crazy fight. So, and for example, Team USA, that team I told you about, the boxer, the basketball player, and the football player, had not been in King of Fighters since King of Fighters 94. Well, they re-added them for King of Fighters 98 as kind of like a special edition where everyone fights everyone, okay? I compare this to like the Marvel vs. Capcom series, like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, where they literally threw in everyone plus the kitchen sink to fight each other. That's kind of what the King of Fighters 98 was, okay? <clears throat> so, everything that I just told you about the history of King of Fighters was my hands-on personal experience with the franchise. My local arcades, when I was growing up, actually had the King of Fighters 94 through 97. All of a sudden, in 1998, they stopped having them. And I actually, you know, talked to my local arcade owner. And I said, why don't you have it? And he's like, well, because it doesn't make a lot of money. He's like, that, for some reason, Street Fighter always makes me a lot of money and all the spinoffs because you keep in mind by 1998 you had the versus series that was very prominent now like x-men versus street fighter uh even all the way up to i believe marvel versus capcom was 98 could have been 99 but it was around that time the original marvel versus capcom okay so the whole versus series was incredibly prominent mortal kombat had gone through multiple iterations all the way up to ultimate mk3 and i believe we were on the cusp of the release of mk4 which was fully 3d okay Killer Instinct had come and gone, already had a sequel. You know, that was a real whirlwind 
series of years from like 94 all the way through 98 in arcades for competitive fighting games. Well, King of Fighters, sadly in the United States, I hate to say it, just didn't take off. Um, other games were. Other games were very popular, but King of Fighters, I guess because it always followed kind of anime-ish plot lines, it was becoming increasingly more anime-slash-manga-looking over the course of the series. And let's face it, the characters from Fatal Fury, Art of Fighting, were certainly not as prominent and didn't have that kind of name recognition as characters from Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. So in the United States, the series was completely falling out of prominence, and most arcades weren't having the arcade machines anymore. Even if you owned the Neo Geo machine, you didn't feel like it was enough of an investment. It was too expensive to buy the next game in the series. Kind of silly. In my opinion, I think it's kind of a no-brainer to keep getting it, but, you know, whatever makes money. So, sadly, uh, that was the end of my hand-on gameplay experience with the King of Fighters franchise in arcades. They never really had it ever again. However, I loved the series, and I wanted to continue to play it. Now, I had two options. Buy a Neo Geo home system for like eight to $900, which back, to, by the way, imagine that back in the 90s with inflation and everything today. It was so, so ridiculously expensive to own a Neo Geo system at home. Okay? Or... Play the games on emulator so guess what i did i played the games on emulator and of course when you're playing on an emulator it's not the same experience you're not playing in person against someone you got to play online against random opponents there's a lag factor and of course there's macros and cheating involved so it was never really the same for me um personally i remember the next next saga in king of fighters was called the nests saga and in this saga essentially what happened was there was an evil an evil organization wow that's totally not cliche who decided to kidnap Kyo, Kyo Kusanagi, the original protagonist of the King of Fighters series, and used his DNA to try to make a series of clones, like a clone army. And it ended up becoming various new characters. For example, there's a character named K-Dash, and this character is supposed to be a clone of Kyo that's a failed clone. So he has flame abilities like Kyo, but he plays nothing like Kyo, nor does he act like him. He has his own unique personality, and it's a completely different character. And then as the series continued, you had characters like Kula. Kula is the original Elsa from Frozen. Her whole body has to be encased in a suit because her, she has ice superpowers. And anything she touches, like King Midas, freezes. So because of that, she has to wear this power suit to contain her powers that are too strong, and she has the powers of ice and freezing combos and stuff. So the, the series continued to be very interesting, but sadly, not in America. In the United States, you just couldn't find these games in arcades, and no one was buying them for the whole con home consoles because no one owned a Neo Geo. So it was incredibly hard to really follow uh, the plot lines of these games. So personally, I don't really know the plot line of the full Nest Saga. I played through it on emulation, but I didn't really, like, understand fully what was going on with it, nor follow it too heavily. Now, since that saga, which was three games, by the way, I think it was King of Fighters 2001, 2, and 3, I think, then it got a little bit more weird because up until that time, King of Fighters had always had a yearly outing, but all of a sudden, they decided to not do the games yearly anymore, and so now they started naming them weird things, like King of Fighters 11. Okay, I mean, that's good that they're doing that and they're, they're numbering them now, but where are we in the saga? I don't even know what the plot is, you know? I know at one point they did another dream match scenario where it was everyone from every game against each other again, which was kind of neat. Um, 
But this was about the time that I completely and utterly fell off from the King of Fighters franchise because there was just no access to it anymore. Not that I didn't want to play it. I like King of Fighters, but you just couldn't really get the games that much anymore. Uh, they did have console ports, but the console ports were far inferior, had a lot of lag, a lot of loading issues, and there was no online capability for this series for a very long time. So what are you going to do? Sit around and play the computer all fucking day? So it basically kind of died and went away. So now fast forward all the way to... What was it? Five years ago? I'm not exactly sure when, but remember, King of Fighters 14 is announced. They're reviving the long-dead King of Fighters franchise. It's coming back, and they're going to have rejuvenation, renewed graphics, renewed gameplay elements. But sadly, what ended up happening was the King of Fighters 14 looked more like a budget title than anything else, because I think it kind of was. If you look at the characters, they look shitty. They don't look like the classic anime designs that everyone had grown to know and love from the original series. They kind of look crappy. The, you know, the graphical detail, the lighting, everything kind of looks shitty. The gameplay elements weren't bad. I remember playing it and thinking, the gameplay's pretty good. But the game looked so bad that it basically failed. I bought the game, and right here, you know, not on YouTube, but on Twitch when I was live streaming over there, okay? I... Actually, maybe it was on YouTube. Now I don't even remember because it could have been either at that point. It was so long ago. I don't even remember exactly when the game came out. But I remember buying this game and playing it for, for my audience. And some people liked it. Some people didn't. There was a big division because of the looks of the game. But within two weeks of me owning this game, I couldn't even really play it anymore. Why? All of the player base had fallen off. Like, no exaggeration, I would go to play the game online. I was like, okay, guys, it's a, it's a fun fighting, fighting game night. Let's play. And we'd play the same three people over and over and over for two hours. There was no one else playing the game. You couldn't even find someone to play against. So I was like, damn, this is kind of a huge disappointment. What a waste. Because I bought the game. I was fully expecting to be playing it in full coverage. It was going to be a, an interesting series for my, my content. As you know, I'm a variety streamer. I like having variety in what I'm doing. Um, and it flopped. It completely flopped and just fell out into obscurity and no one really talked about it ever again. Um, and that's very disappointing because I liked that franchise. I thought maybe this could be a rejuvenation of something from my youth and it kind of fizzled and died out. Now, the thing was at that time, the King of Fighters 14 had a lot of competition. Street Fighter 5 had just released. There were new iterations of games like Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Injustice. So it had a lot of competition, okay? Today is... February 17th, 2022. Fighting games are kind of stagnant right now, okay? Street Fighter V already has announced it's done with development. The game is basically dead. People are still playing it competitively because it's the latest Street Fighter, but <clears throat> there's no new content for the game anymore, okay? Mortal Kombat hasn't had a, a new version in several years. Injustice, we, we think, is being made but hasn't been made. Tekken, again, all these games basically have not really had much going on. The latest fighting game that anyone really cared about was Guilty Gear Strive, and that was almost a year ago. And let's be honest, it's very different from other fighting game franchises. So, there's really nothing going on right now in the realm of fighting games. So, the King of Fighters 15, first of all, they updated the graphics. Thank God. The game looks modernized now. Holy shit. You actually want to sell a modern fighting game, it has to look modern. What a novel concept, right? But in addition, people seem to be pretty pumped for the King of Fighters 15. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in the King of Fighters 14, there was an enigmatic final boss, boss, excuse me, whose name was Verse, okay? <sighs> King of Fighters 14 tried to reboot the franchise, and I think it did a piss-poor job of it. The new main character's name, whose name was, what, 
Shuge or Shuge, who knows what the fuck his name is. He looks like a weirdo. He's some, some weird emo-ish Japanese teen with like fucking turquoise hair. He's wearing a jacket but not wearing it. He wears it over his shoulders. And he controls three ghosts. Oh yeah, that sounds just like King of Fighters, doesn't it? So he controls three ghosts. And every time he does a special move, the hands of one of these ghosts crosses through dimensions and hits you. So he's got giant anime-ish fists going across the screen and big claws and slaps and weird shit. It's a very odd character and a very odd plot line, okay? I feel like it was out of place. A lot of people agreed with me. They said, God, this is the new protagonist of King of Fighters. Like, what were they thinking with this? Well, the final boss of King of Fighters 14 is one of the three entities that uh, Shune controls. His name is Verse. And inexplicably, he fully crosses over into our dimension and you have to fight him. And apparently when you beat him, okay, this ghost, demon, whatever, apparently had the trapped souls of previous King of Fighters characters who had died in the plotline trapped inside of it. Who knows why? I don't think they're ever going to be able to explain that. But when you defeated Verse... You revived all of those characters. <laughs> so out of nowhere in this game now, we have the return of the Orochi team of Chris, Shermie, and Yashiro. Yes, that teen band who were supposed to be the cultist followers of Orochi, they return in the King of Fighters 15. That's a hell of a way to explain it, but I guess that's a way to get them back into the franchise. Though I don't know how they're going to fit into the plot of 15. Personally, I've not... <clears throat> spoiled myself on the plot of King of Fighters 15 because I wanted to kind of keep it fresh. Uh, from what I'm to understand, Shune now has an antagonistic spoil character. For example, when we started the franchise, there was Kyoku Sanagi as the, the, the protagonist. In King of Fighters 95, the sequel, they introduced Yori Yagami, who was supposed to be the antagonist to Kyo, and they're kind of like the sun and the moon, the yin and the yang. You see what I'm saying? So now apparently there's a female character in King of Fighters 15 that also controls ghostly demonic hands, who's supposed to be the antagonistic foil to Shune, but no one likes Shune, so why did... I don't know. They're kind of doing the same formula, okay? <clears throat> so, weird stuff, okay? Here we go. TLWG Keith says, Ash Crimson coming back in this game makes no sense because his ancestor is destroyed in King of Fighters 13. I don't know because I didn't play King of Fighters 13, so I don't even know. But anyway, um, this is going to be an interesting one, especially if we're try trying to follow the lore. I don't know if it's going to make sense because I missed a few games. And in addition, it seems like this is what they call a retcon. They decided, shit, we had all these interesting characters over the course of this franchise, almost 30 years the King of Fighters has existed. Why did we write out all these cool characters that people liked? They were fan favorites. Let's bring them all back. Well, how are we going to do that? I don't know, right in a fucking plot hole where they all come back because a god got killed and now they're all revived. Oh, okay. So you mean basically pull a Mortal Kombat 9? Yes. And that's exactly what they've done. They pulled a Mortal Kombat 9 and now everybody's back. Great. <laughs> all right. So, I'm as much, as you can't, as if you can't tell, I've now been talking about it for 30 minutes. I'm as much of a fan of the story side, the artistic direction, and all of that creative side of King of Fighters as I am of the actual fighting game. 
it's one of the rare franchises where the, the, the game had an ongoing appeal that wasn't just, let's beat the shit out of each other. Even though, admittedly, the franchise is good for that. But I like the fact that there's a good variety of character designs. You're going to see. There's going to be projectile range characters. There's going to be grapplers. There's going to be hybrids. There's going to be fast-moving characters and slow-moving characters. There's going to be various different playing styles in this game. That's what makes a good fighting game, in my opinion. That was one of the major shortcomings of Street Fighter V, where a lot of the characters played almost the same. One ad nauseum pattern you do over and over. Almost no variety. In this game, you're going to see tons of variety. I'm not saying it's going to be balanced, because it's a brand new game, who knows. But watch, you're going to see a good amount of different gameplay styles and things with the amount of characters. By the way, the amount of characters... This game has a tremendous amount of characters in it and always has. It was always known as the game franchise that had a ton of character selection. So that's going to be really neat. And I'm I really am pumped and excited to get into the game today. And I hope that you guys are as excited as me to see me try to take on a new fighting game franchise that I haven't played in a long time um, and get reacquainted with it. My Here's my hopes for the King of Fighters 15. I hope that because there are no other competing fighting game franchises out right now, that this game will actually get highlighted. And what I mean by that, it's, instead of it kind of being, okay, it's one amongst many, and it's popular for a week, then it gets brushed under the rug. I hope that this game has a time to shine, where people will actually give it a chance, and give it a look, and uh, and check it out. Not only, I'm not even talking about my content and my streams, I just mean in general. I would like to see this game actually get some prominence, because when King of Fighters 14 flopped, that was huge disappointment for a lot of people, including me who had followed this series along from since the 1990s to say, oh man, how the mighty have fallen, right? Um, and I'm actually excited to see how this game fits into the modern era of, of gameplay. I played the beta. I thought the beta gameplay was good, but I didn't understand the new gameplay mechanics. Apparently the game has several new things introduced that make the game more fast-paced and also super cancels and all kinds of stuff that I don't really understand. And I want to figure all that out. So... That's what I got to really focus on today. My first day playing, let's learn those new systems and try to figure out how to implement them into the classic King of Fighters gameplay. Because I have a fundamental knowledge of how King of Fighters plays. I've played them for many, many years and I understand the, the, the basics. What I don't understand is the new complexities to the engine. And that's really <clears throat> what we have to figure out for this game, okay? Um, so, I hope you guys will join me. Today is premiere day. Alright. We'll see how it goes. And will the game have longevity? Because some people have asked me the question, Phil, every Friday night you do Friday night fights with Classic Street Fighter. And we've really loved seeing you do that for years. I mean, the, the Street Fighter collection came out in 2018. Here it is, 2022, and you're still playing it. You're one of the few. Most people stopped playing it a million years ago. You're still playing it. How long will you keep playing it? And what happens if King of Fighters comes out and is good? It's a good question. I love Classic Street Fighter. But, if King of Fighters is really good and people want to see it, and there's support for it, you know what I'm saying? Um, then I might, I might continue on with that. Maybe that'll take over for Friday Night Fights. It really depends, because to really stay in line with a fighting game and play it at a competitive level, you have to play it more than once a week. I'm just being honest. If I play King of Fighters once a week, there's no way I will hang with people who are playing it all the time. I have to play it at least twice a week, if not three times a week, much like I explained to you guys with Halo Infinite. The only way to stay competitive with a game that's competitive is to play it several times and stay not rusty. You know what I mean? Um, plus, here's what's going to end up happening. Today, it's all it's free-for-all. All hell breaks loose. Everyone will be playing tons of players from all over the world. It'll be like that for about a week to two weeks. Then all of a sudden, what'll happen? 
you're going to see people develop the meta, which essentially means people will figure out what's good in this game, what's not, and start using the strategies that dominate. And the meta will determine the longevity of the game more than anything else because if when you get to the, the nitty-gritty of the competitive nature of the game, is it fun? Is it varied? Is it entertaining to play? And for you guys, is it entertaining to watch? Because if the meta of the game is two guys crouching going like this, me, 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 me. Oh, I finally hit win. That's not exciting. That's boring. And there's been fighting games like that. I'm not kidding. There's been fighting games that are just so fucking boring. It's like watching paint dry. So we have to see. What is the actual meta of the game? What will it end up being once it's determined, right? We're not going to get that today. We're going to get initial day one gameplay. You're going to get, you know, combos and stuff. And some people have no idea what they're doing. You're going to get insane lag. Today will be, you know, very much a huge experiment of what the game is going to be like. But then after a while, the dust will begin to settle. All right. And then we'll get to see what the game will actually be like in long term. Okay. So let's find out together. I'm very excited for today. I really am. And I want to say thank you to those of you who are going to go along this journey with me. Checking out a new fighting game from the ground up. Especially one that I have history with. This, unlike other fighting game franchises, there's two that I really have history with. Street Fighter and King of Fighters. Mortal Kombat, not so much. I played it, but I wasn't like heavily into Mortal Kombat. So I actually know more about King of Fighters than I do about Mortal Kombat. Just being honest, you know, when I played the, the, the Mortal Kombat, you know, 9, 10, and 11, it was more like just learning those, those games from scratch. While with this one, I have history with it. I know the characters. I know the lore. I know the, the properties of the moves. I know exactly how you're supposed to do certain things. I don't know everything. That's what we're going to learn today. But we got to figure all this out. It's going to be cool, okay? Um, so thank you for being here. But again, what I want to say is a major part of the success of me playing a game like this will be your buy-in with engagement. Will people be engaged? Will they be liking the streams and liking the videos? Will they be leaving comments on the videos? Will they tell people, hey, DSP Gaming over on YouTube is playing King of Fighters 15. He's really giving it a go. Go over there and check it out. And maybe we'll get some people here who will actually join the channel simply to watch me play the game. That would be neat. Okay? <clears throat> okay. There we go. That's what I had. To, that was my little intro segment about King of Fighters. I hope you guys liked that. I'm sure some of you will say, oh, I really enjoyed that. And I'll get some nice comments on the video. Wow, thank you for the history of King of Fighters. We really appreciate that. And now we got people in the chat. Ch Why is he talking so long? Why isn't he playing the game yet? Me, 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 me. Even though it says pre-stream fucking podcast on the top of the screen. People are that dumb. There's nothing you can do. You can please some of the people all the time. All the people some of the time. But you certainly can't please everyone. Because some people you just can't please at all. So there you go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time for shout-outs. Eternal Napalm is asking, does King of Fighters have footsies? Interesting question. <laughs> there are footsies, but they are actually quite different than footsies in other games. Um, with King of Fighters, it was actually harder to do, for example, uh, two-in-ones. Let me explain what I mean. So let's say you're playing Street Fighter, and you're using Ryu. So you're walking up to your opponent, and you throw out a crouching kick. If the crouching kick hits, oh, I can cancel that immediately into a fireball. And if that connects, now I can cancel to a super. All right? So your footsies is throw out a couple moves, try to go for the kick. Oh, if it hits, oh, do that cancel, and there you go. 
King of Fighters isn't really like that. In King of Fighters, yes, you are throwing out high-priority moves, but you can't really do, like, on-the-fly two-in-ones. King of Fighters is more about landing a, a aerial move or cross-up move that you cancel into a standing attack, which you then cancel a two-in-one into a standing regular attack. and then So basically, big combos, but it's actually not as easy to land said combos as Street Fighter. It's a little different. And in King of Fighters, there's different move priorities. For example, you can do a move that's called a heavy attack by pressing heavy punch and heavy kick together, and it's a knockback attack. So if you hit someone with that, it actually knocks them all the way to the end of the screen, and they crumple, and now you can actually do a follow-up move. So it's a little different than Street Fighter because there's some different move properties. Are there footsies? Yes. Are they the same as Street Fighter? Not really. It's actually its own entity that you kind of have to learn. Okay? There you go. All right, so now let's get the shout-outs. All right, let's do this. We'll start with the YouTube side of things. So, first of all, K-Styles1998 re-upped his membership for 10 months in a row at the ultra-supporter level. Thank you so much to K-Styles. I really appreciate that. Jordan Stout became a member of the channel, and I what I said I would do is I would check and see where we actually are uh, for total members. So let's do that right now. Let's actually see where we are for total members on the channel. Someone wrote me a, mass, a massive email here about input lag in this, in this game. And of course, it's ridiculous nonsense, too. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. Yes, we have hit 374 members. Awesome. Thank you guys for supporting the channel. 374 is now the new record. And climbing. 26 more to go to hit our monthly goal for the month. Awesome. Our first super chat of the day is from Zoya, who says, why, do you, why you think support for Knights has been poor lately? You know, Zoya, I don't know. It really is weird being a full-time streamer and content creator like I am. Because... It just doesn't seem to have consistency in a lot of ways. Allow me to explain, okay? There were times when the night streams that I did were actually doing better support-wise than the day streams. Now, I don't know if it was because the day streams were games people didn't really like, but it's weird because you would say, oh, perhaps there's a few determining factors in what, what would make someone want to support a stream. The first is the game. The second is me. The third is me playing the game is entertaining to watch, right? There's a few factors there. Of course, there's also time frame. I can tell you right now, on today's first stream, King of Fighters 15, excuse me, we'll have more viewers today, today than we will tonight on the late stream at 6.45 p.m. Why? When it's later, a lot more people are asleep. But I catch a completely different audience on the late streams than I usually do on the early streams. You see? That's why I do two streams like this. So all that being said, um, it is weird because if you said, oh, well, it's solely about the game. Well, when I was playing Skyrim as a daytime stream, we were doing incredibly well for support. Now as a nighttime stream, it actually did incredibly poorly last night. It was actually the same with Pokemon. 
the early streams of Pokemon were doing well, and then when it became a night stream, the support massively slowed down. But then on the flip side of that, there were two nights of Pokemon that did pretty good. I just don't know. The, tr the truth of the matter is this. I actually don't think there's a way to figure out how much I'm ever going to do on a particular stream. I don't think there's a way to predict it. Today's King of Fighters stream could go incredibly well. It could go terribly. I don't think I can really control it. All I can do is put out an entertaining stream for my audience. I hope that this pre-stream podcast kind of gave you guys an education about the King of Fighters franchise. Maybe you learned a little bit about the games and you're now interested to see me play them more because I gave you kind of a primer of what they've always been about, right? Maybe not. Maybe you hated this podcast. I don't know. But I'm trying to put out an entertaining and informative product for you guys, all right? If you like the content today, by all means, support it, all right? I hope you will. I hope that their support is great today, but I can't control that. All I can do is do my best to cover a game in the best way possible and entertain you while I do it, right? That's really all I can do. I can't sit here and be like, why did one stream do good and one stream did bad and this one did this and that one did that? I'm not going to sit here and microanalyze every moment of every stream. It could just be that a few generous people were available for one stream and, and supported while they weren't available for another stream, you know? So I don't care. Okay. Shout out to Tarantula MS 2018 who is today's first tipper. A $10 tip and said, hey, you Phil, what's going on, Tarantula? Thank you for the tip. Now, I would put you up there as the top tipper, except just like a minute after you had tipped, Game Tracker was here and tipped $15 and says, it is time. Here's an appropriate $15 tip for King of Fighters 15. It's a perfect way to start off today's contributions. Thank you very much to Game Tracker. <clears throat> I appreciate that. And let's get that up on the leaderboard. All right. Cool. I believe also there was another membership. I just want to double check. Barrel Shroud. Re-upped his membership for 10 months as well. Thank you, Barrel Shroud. I don't think that uh, uh, impacted our total members only because uh, that was a re-upping re of the membership rather than a new one. Okay. So, to adjourn here because I think we're pretty much done unless anyone else has any final questions okay PCL fan you're asking the wrong person this is trying to support but his payment info won't go through I don't work for PayPal I don't know what to tell you if PayPal's not working for you you could always pledge to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash darksidephil which helps just as much as PayPal but a lot of people don't use it or don't know that um, you could do a super chat or super sticker there's many different ways you could support if you're serious I'm not a payment processor I can't tell you what the issue is my day is going good, Morgan. I'm excited for today. Dalsim's Elephants is here today. He says, as much as I'll miss Street Fighter streams for the time being, I look forward to King of Fighters. Awesome. Zoya, I literally just explained the other methods that you can do outside of PayPal, like just moments ago. <laughs> Alice Telemont tipped the dollar fifty and says, I remember you played an early release of Street Fighter V. Nothing worked. You had an awesome stream talking with viewers. Yeah, that was the beta, the original beta that they did for Street Fighter V literally never worked the the net code was so atrociously bad no one could play the game so i sat there for two hours trying to get it to work and it wouldn't so i just talked with people and we laughed together at how bad the game was and then we laughed for six straight years about how bad the game was because it really was a piece of shit <clears throat> no i'm not going to play guilty gear strive in the future out of all the fighting game franchises out there i'm not really interested in guilty gear it's a franchise that is very well received has high competitive value. I can tell you, I've seen people play at the highest tournament level, and I'm impressed. But 
It's just one that I never got into. It actually was late to the game. While most fighting game franchises that, that are around kind of got their start in the 90s, Guilty Gear didn't really become prominent until the early 2000s. <clears throat> and I remember some of my friends trying to get me into it. I just never could get into it. And, you know, at, at this point, there's such a learning curve and everything for it that I'm just not interested in it. Okay. All right. Plum Girl to the dollar fifty and says, "Just got here, excited to chill with y'all. Hope you're having a great day, Phil. Thank you, Plum Girl. Good to see you. Thank you for the tip. And yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to to see what this is all about. Because really, the first hour or so is going to be, what are the gameplay mechanics? What did they add to the game? What's different about it? Right? That's what we got to find out. And once that's known, then we can start experimenting with new characters and things, and messing around and figure out who you actually want to play online with first. So, what's up, Jade? Good to see you here today. Derek is wondering, are there microtransactions in this? I mean, if this were Street Fighter V, the first thing you would do is go to the, the store and buy 14 outfits for each character, each costing like $5. So you'd drop about $600 on the game within the first five minutes. But, you know, I don't I don't know if they're going to have any microtransactions at launch. I, I haven't looked into it. <clears throat> no, Chris, I have not decided on what version of Elden Ring I'm getting. I don't think there's been any information yet, right? Since Since there's been no early reviews allowed yet. Also, Digital Foundry hasn't put out their information about the performance of the game. So I don't actually know what would be considered the best uh, version, you know? <clears throat> we hit 100 likes. Thank you, guys. 100 likes hit before we even started with the game is excellent. Yes, that will give this stream some exposure. Once I start playing the game, we'll probably get even more and more people. By the way... If you are a newcomer to the channel and you're watching me right now and you're like, what the heck? I can't chat. What's going on? This channel sadly gets a lot of trolls. When I started streaming on YouTube last year, we were getting people coming in with 20, 30, 40 accounts a day to spam and troll and be nasty to people. Okay? So, having a sub-only mode like we do prevents them from making a million clone accounts and doing that. So, if you're interested in talking, please subscribe to the channel. You'll be able to talk within 24 hours. I am a variety streamer. I cover a wide variety of games. Today, it's King of Fighters 15 all day. Tomorrow, it's Horizon Forbidden West all day. Over the weekend, I'm playing more King of Fighters and Horizon. And over the coming week, in a week's time, I'm playing Elden Ring. There's a good variety of stuff coming here on DSP Gaming. And you'll probably want to chat for it, so consider subscribing. Mrs. Murphy tipped me a dollar fifty. He says, you cannot play a game until you finish your homework, young man. Check your homework folder and write down your nine-page essay on Macbeth before I even consider allowing you to play this fighting game. Wow, now that's a blast from the past. That's a reference to my fourth grade elementary school teacher who was a major pain in the fucking ass. All right, Eternal Napalm tipped a dollar fifty and says, I'd love to see a night stream sometime of you returning to Soul Calibur Six and playing as 2B. Glory to mankind, that is not happening. There is no way I'm returning back to Soul Calibur after so far away. See, <clears throat> this is one thing that I must kind of call out a little bit about fighting games. Um, that is a little, dis not necessarily disappointing, it's just kind of always been the way with fighting games. If you play a fighting game from the start, when it launched, when it released, and you stick with it, and you at least play it every once in a while, in general, you can still hang with the game, you'll recognize the things going on in the game, and it's an enjoyable experience. If you step away from a fighting game for an extended period of time, and you try to get back in, you might as well have never played the game before. Any new character, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. New gameplay elements, rebalancing, new new styles, you know, all those things that happen over the years, these tweaks to the engine everything. If I were, for example, 
if I were to play Street Fighter V right now, I would have no fucking idea what's going on in the game. That game's been changed so many times over the years it's been out. It would be like playing from scratch. Now, there's people who've been playing it since day one. Do you think I stand a chance? Of course not. And that's the problem with fighting games. Not really a problem, but it's always been an ongoing thing. Um, that if you're not with it from the start and you don't, you're not there for every change and rebalance and iteration, you're going to be left in the dust. And that's what I tell you guys. Like When you want me to play fighting games, you're like, Phil, instead of doing Street Fighter on Friday nights, why don't you just play Tekken? Why bother? There's really no reason. I, I will get bodied every fucking match. I won't even understand what's going on because I haven't played Tekken in so long and I don't know anything about what's going on with that game or franchise. I might as well just pound my head against the wall for two hours. It'd be probably more entertaining. And that's why I don't do that kind of stuff. Dalsim's Elephant said, did you ever get into fighters when you were in school? Yeah, I mean, I was playing Street Fighter 2 when I was still in school. Yeah. That's when it was prominent. When I was in my early teens, is when Street Fighter 2 was released in arcades, and that's when I was playing it. Didn't really know anyone in school that actively played them. Like, it wasn't like I knew anyone. The only person ever, actually, that I even knew from school that played Street Fighter at any kind of a competitive level was my friend Drew. And I knew him from the arcade, from hanging out and playing games in the arcade, before I, he actually was, was, I believe, one or two years before me in high school, and we went to the same high school. So that was kind of cool. To know that I played him in arcades every week, but then I saw him at school, too. He was, like, the only kid. That was it. Everyone else that I played in arcades, I didn't ever knew, know them from school or anything like that. Zoya says, will Skyrim return to days anytime soon? No. There's absolutely no way. Um, I'm playing King of Fighters. I'm playing Horizon. In one week's time, I'm playing Elden Ring. And these games will take the priority for the daytime stream. Will Skyrim eventually return to daytime streams? Likely, yes. But not anytime soon. <clears throat> Eternals says, do you think stories are the weakest part of fighting games? Sometimes, yes. I would say, in general, yes. I would say the King of Fighters franchise is one of the exceptions where they actually tried to put a strong story into these games. And as of late, it's definitely the Netherrealm games with the, the, the Mortal Kombat 9 through 11 and also Injustice 1 and 2 that tried to put a strong story element into their game. While other franchises, Street Fighter... Street Fighter never tried. The only way to even get any story out of Street Fighter was to beat the game and get a 60-second ending, which would be a bunch of still frames with text that tried to rush in a story at the end of the game, which didn't really make sense. And it's funny because people tried to convolutedly connect all the stories and make it make sense. I don't think it was ever meant to make sense, quite frankly. So, yeah, I would I would definitely say... Uh, I would definitely say that the stories always took a backseat to the gameplay elements, but... There are some games that have kind of made an effort over the years, and King of Fighters is one of them. Alice Telemont to me another dollar fifty says Street Fighter Six, King of Fighters, or another fighter. I would like to see you casually enter a tournament and win that outright. <laughs> casually enter a tournament. The thing is, I am so out of practice of playing these games in a competitive setting. I've only think about this in reality. When was the last time that I played someone in person in a fighting game? Not online, but in person. Do you know when it was? Are you ready for this? It was right before I moved from Connecticut to here. That final last hurrah celebration that I did, I actually played some fighting games with people in person at my condo in Connecticut. So that was, what, 2014? It's been eight years since I played a fighting game against someone in person. I'm not saying that I couldn't get back into shape if I practiced, but I think the point I'm making is I wouldn't even be able to practice. 
I have a busy life now. I have a family. I have a full-time business that I run. How would I find time to just sit down and be practicing fighting games all day to get into some kind of tournament shape? I mean, I think the best that we can do at this point is to practice online games, have fun with them, cover them as much as I can, and kind of hang with them if there's DLC releases or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Have fun with the fighting games and, and make that part of my variety content that I do here on DSP Gaming. I have no aspirations to eventually go back to competitive-style coverage of fighting games or going to tournaments. I just don't think it's even viable for my lifestyle right now, you know? <clears throat> so thank you, Atlas. Then, uh, Judon Tay took me $1.50, but the weirdest thing, the, the, the text says, here is $5. Shout out to Clyde, Barrel Shroud, and Pink Hue. Yeah, shout out to them, the regulars. But Judon Tay, just so you know, you tipped $1.50. I think you accidentally meant to tip 5 and you did, you did the default tip amount by accident. Um, Anso Kamaru to me a dollar fifty says Blaze Blues or Blaze Blue story is incredible. A goddamn fifty hour visual movie with branching paths, alternate endings, and all of that. And I didn't, I never experienced it. I never played that again. That's the same French or the same game maker as Guilty Gear, which was never really my forte. Nico just did a dollar fifty tip and says another big problem with fighting games is how many DLC characters they release and how much they cost. I have to completely agree here. Even Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, a game that was 40 euro at launch, has more than 50 euros worth of characters and DLCs. It's ridiculous. And this is the thing is, they, these fighting games really, really try to become games as a service. And what I mean by that is, not only are you buying the base game, but in six months you're buying the season one pass. Then you're buying the outfits and shit for the characters. Then you're buying the season two pass. And by the way, Every time that there's a new season, the whole game gets rebalanced. So now you got to learn the ins and outs. And it's like, well, man, if I didn't buy those characters, how am I ever going to learn their pro move properties to fight against them? So you're almost, like, forced to buy the DLC if you really want to keep hanging in the game. Or else you're always going to have a disadvantage <clears throat> against those certain characters that are new, you see? So I, I completely agree with Nico here. Fighting games in the modern era have become this games-as-a-service model that could be a detriment to those who want to hang with them. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was you bought the game, you have the game. It never changes. Look at Marvel vs. Capcom 2, a game that had a ridiculous amount of characters at launch, but over the years, the game was so heavily dissected that at a top level, there's maybe 10 characters who can be played competitively. Even though the game has like 40, 50 characters, most of them suck. But you didn't know that. But the thing is, did they ever patch it? Did they change that? No. It is what it is. It stayed the same forever. Very different from today. Oh, DC did a haiku and I missed it. All right, here it is. A, a Dying Light 2 Daily Rap Haiku. I left a haiku on the Daily Rap vid of Dying Light 2 Phil. Oh, I saw it. I actually read it last night. Did I approve it? I think I approved it, didn't I? I think I approved that as a comment and everyone can see it now, DC. I'm pretty sure I did. So, I hope that you can see it. By the way, shout out to Loki Eli who became a channel supporter. And I'm curious, did that add to our total supporters here? Excuse me, our total members here. Did we, did we hit yeah, another new record? <clears throat> no, son of a bitch. We're still at 374. I was excited. <laughs> Got too excited. Chris E just became a channel supporter. I'll have to check again in a moment. Uh, Alice Telemann did another $1.50 tip. Says, do you know what netcode King of Fighters is using or will you be able to tell after playing? I think it is a rollback netcode. But I, I, from my experience in the beta, it wasn't that bad except there was one. Do you remember the one match that was god-awful that it just kept taking everything back? It was impossible. Seriously. 
It was fucking like, how am I supposed to play this? Every hit is like, zoop, rewind, rewind. But for the most part, it didn't look that bad. So we'll see. Okay. Um. Oh, wait a minute. I saw something here and I lost it. <laughs> I lost it now. Oh my God, Jay. Don't remind me of that. Why are you reminding me of Murray dressing up as a geisha? It's like Uber 4. Wow. Eternal Napalm took me $1.50 and says, What was going on in your mind? What were you feeling when you clinched the prestigious title of Best Street Fighter 2 player in North America at EVO? Did it inspire you to be better? What were your thoughts on the pundits trash-talking the win? Um, well, as you know, and I've said this many times over the years, I'm the kind of person that when someone talks shit about me or says I can't do something, it just motivates me to do better. That year, all right, Keep in mind, I was coming off of a pretty bad reputation in the Street Fighter community, being one of the biggest shit talkers and biggest general assholes. I will openly admit that today, that back then I was a moron. I was a jerk. I was very mean to people online. In person, I was different. In person, I was more all about the game, and I respected people who were great at the game. I always shook someone's hand after a match without exception. Even if I feel like it was bullshit that I lost, I would always shake their hand because that's part of the competitive experience. If you lose, you shake the hand of the opponent, who, no matter who it is. Even if you hate them and they hate you, that's something you do, okay? And that's how I was. And people, in, in reality, when they met me in person, people would actually like me. But then they were like, man, your online persona, you're a fucking ass. Like, why are you such an asshole? I don't know what it was. I just was a complete asshole online back then. So when I went to Evo, most people were rooting against me. They didn't want to see me do well or win. They were like, you're a dick. You're an asshole. But it was funny because there were people who I knew from the East Coast who were at Evo that year who were actually friendly with me because they knew me from real life. And they kind of hung with me and supported me, even though I had no one else. No one had come from Connecticut. It was just me. And I was by my on my own. But I was hanging out with these other guys from other places on the East Coast. And it was a cool experience to have that kind of camaraderie. We're almost like a team together. Um, <clears throat> and basically, the entire time I was there, everyone was like, this guy sucks. This guy isn't going to be nobody, right? It, you know. And it was like that. It was like, damn, everyone was rooting against me. And it felt crazy to do as well as I did. I was beating well-renowned players who had been tournament winners. I was beating them in this fucking tournament. It was crazy. I think that was the tournament, if I remember correctly, I, you know, it's so long ago now I forget, but I'm almost positive I beat Jason Wilson, and I beat, I don't think I beat Watson, or did I beat Watson? No, I did I beat Choi? I either beat Choi or Watson. I can't remember who it was, but I beat one of them, and I was blown away that I had, and everyone was blown away that I had. They're like, how the fuck did he just do that? And I, I was like, wow, you know, I played my game. I played incredibly solid while these guys were all rattled that we were playing a console version of the game that didn't play exactly like the arcade version. Excuse me. So anyway, it was pretty surreal. And since after that, when I actually placed as well as I did, that's really what motivated me for the next two years to play hardcore. It was 2005 was the year that I was fourth place. And then 2006, 2007, I played hardcore and I ended up... Most tournaments I went to, I either won or placed top three. No matter where I went. It didn't matter if it was north, south, east, or west in the United States. Almost every tournament that I went to, uh, with a few exceptions, I placed really well. So, so okay, Judante took $3.50. Did you, did you miss the King of Fighters franchise? Yes. The King of Fighters franchise has something unique about it. 
It really does. Like I said, the gameplay elements, the art design, the music of King of Fighters. King of Fighters, hands down, had the best music of any fighting game franchise in the 1990s. It was so good, I had CD versions of the soundtracks that I would listen to not playing the game. I would actually just listen to the music. It was so damn good. Um, Alice Telemont with another dollar fifteen says, There's a lot of comments on your matches. Street Fighter 4 Super Turbo, who admit you were very good and had a lot of potential or for even better, th that people were underestimating you. Yeah, because they always did. Because imagine if there's someone who's a complete asshole shit talker online. So, of course, you think they suck. And then you would go to the tournament and realize the guy's actually not an asshole and then he's actually pretty good. That was the story of Dark Side Phil. Like, I was a complete dickhead online and I was actually a nice guy in person and I loved playing the games at a high level. <clears throat> I don't blame... I don't blame people for wanting to basically crap all over me or beat my ass in Street Fighter back then. I don't. I don't. And I told you, I publicly apologized. There's a few people back then I was so mean to. Shady K, dude... That guy never did a damn thing to deserve the hate that I gave him. I was a complete shithead about that. Just, I I was constantly deriding that guy. And now I look back, I'm like, man, I was such a fucking asshole. I feel terrible about it. But I'm sure he never gives a thought about me. You know, I don't care about competitive fighting games anymore, so why the fuck would he ever care, right? Oh, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Uh, Zoya did another super chat saying, what have Kat and you been cooking lately? Kat is working full time now. And most of the time, she's working too late to really cook dinner. So I'm making stuff, and then she comes home and eats. So today, um, we're not doing anything. We're doing frozen meals. Yesterday, I made a chicken tortellini soup and left it for her, and she warmed it up when she got home. This is the thing. Her job, responsibilities, positions, and hours have changed so many times in the past year. It's never consistent. So it's like, oh, she can cook. Now she can't cook. Oh, now we cook together. Now we can't cook together. <laughs> it just keeps changing. There was another haiku. Wow, you guys, you guys are keeping me busy today. Wow, let's see where this other haiku. I love them. I gotta find it. DC says, here's a King of Fighters 15 hype haiku. I'm excited for the King of Fighters 15. Let's kick some ass, Phil. Thank you, DC. Jade, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. I was joking. I was joking about the Murray thing. All right, how about this? I have to piss. I, I need to piss before we start. It would be pretty bad if I'm trying to hold in piss when I'm trying to learn a fighting game, right? I think that would be pretty detrimental. So give me just a few moments. Let's end the pre-stream podcast. Give me a moment to use the restroom. I'll come right back, and we're going to jump into King of Fighters 15. Sound good? I hope so. All right, guys. Thank you. That was a great pre-stream, by the way. I hope you enjoyed it. My little history lesson about King of Fighters. And thank you for the support already. The support's great. We haven't even started yet. Let's take a brief break for me to use the restroom. I'll be right back, okay? All right, let's end the pre-stream, and then we'll do it. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Peace out, everyone. Until next time.